This is the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agribusiness. If you're curious about innovations in ag tech, rural entrepreneurship, ag sustainability, or food security, this is the show for you. Let's get started. Hi there. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hammerich. I am an agribusiness recruiter, and it's my pleasure to bring you these stories every week of the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agriculture. This show is part of the Farm and Rural Ag Network, so if farm and ag podcasts and vlogs and blogs are your thing, uh, head over to farmruralag.com and make sure you check all of those out. We're going to be talking about some indoor agriculture here today on the show, and, and really not just indoor agriculture. Um, we have on the show Irving Fain, CEO and founder of Bowery Farming. Uh, you may or may not have heard of Bowery, but they are up in New York City, and they have raised a bunch of money to try to revolutionize the way that uh, fresh produce arrives at your door, at, at restaurants, in stores, uh, or wherever it is you buy your produce. And it starts all the way back to the seed, um, and they control every aspect of the supply chain all the way to the consumer. Well, kind of an interesting concept. I'll read a little bit here from their LinkedIn description of themselves. It says, Bowery is the modern farming company growing the purest produce imaginable. They are on a mission to grow food for a better future by revolutionizing agriculture. By combining the benefits of the best local farms and advancements made possible by technology, their indoor farms create ideal conditions to grow post-organic produce, and we'll talk about what they mean by post-organic, you can feel good about eating. Bowery OS, which I assume stands for Operating System, their proprietary software uses vision systems, automation technology, and machine learning to monitor plants at all variables that drive their growth 24-7. Because they control the entire process from seed to store, Bowery Farms use zero pesticides, 95% less water, and are 100 plus times more productive on the same footprint of land than traditional agriculture. Their produce is currently available at select Whole Foods and foragers stores in the tri-state area and featured on the menus of Tom Colicchio's New York restaurants Kraft and Fowler and Wells. Bowery is based in New York City and has raised uh, $27.5 million from some of the best investors in the world, including General Catalyst, GGV Capital, GV, formerly Google Ventures, and First Round Capital. They are also backed by established leaders and innovators in the food industry, including top chef judge and restaurateur Tom Clicchio. So interesting stuff here uh, from Bowery, and I, I was certainly intrigued by what they're what they're doing. I uh, wanted to bring Irving, their CEO and co-founder, onto the show. Uh, Irving is a seasoned entrepreneur who grew up um, eating quality food and, and has been kind of a foodie himself. He previously co-founded um, and was the CEO of Crowd Twist, a venture-backed company that provided loyalty marketing products. And before that, he ran product and marketing for iHeartMedia. Anyway, here is a very interesting and wide-ranging conversation with Irving Fain of Bowery Farming. I have Irving Fain, CEO and founder of Bowery Farming. Uh, Irving, this is great. I'm very excited about this. We have talked about indoor ag and vertical farming on the show before, but not enough. And, I, and I'd love to uh, dive in and, and learn a little bit more. But maybe before we get too deep into it, uh, if you could just start off by giving us a, a high-level overview of, of, of what is Bowery Farming. Absolutely. And uh, thanks for having me, Tim. So Bowery Farming is growing food for a better future by re revolutionizing agriculture. 
And what we're doing is combining the benefits of the best local farms with advances that are made possible by technology to grow fresh produce that consumers can feel good about eating. So to, to go a little bit more kind of in-depth about what that means, at Bowery, we build very large-scale commercial indoor farms. And in those farms, we are able to grow in a completely contained and controlled environment, which first and foremost allows us to grow fresh food year-round, completely independent of weather and seasonality. So you've got a consistent, reliable supply of high-quality food all year, which in and of itself, as you know, is a departure from really you know, 10,000 years of agriculture. Mm-hmm. What, what's particularly interesting and special about what we're doing at Bowery is not only are we growing consistently in that way, but we actually grow with absolutely no pesticides or agrochemicals. So there's no fungicides, no insecticides, no herbicides. The food that we grow at Bowery is as pure and clean as you can get. And what happens when you do that in the field is you, first of all, suffer with a lot of quality issues, but secondly, you see substantial declines in yield. And in our case, given our technology, we can actually grow more than twice as fast as the field. We get more crop cycles per year in the field, and we get actually more yield per crop cycle. So we end up 100 times more productive than a square foot of farmland, and all the while save 98% of the water. So it really is a total rethinking of the way food itself is grown and, and the notion of farming in general. Could you uh, expand a little bit more on, on what technology allows that to be possible? I, I think plenty of people uh, can hear this and think, yeah, that, I mean, that sounds great. <laughs> you could do all this. Uh, but obviously, it, you know, it hasn't been something that's, t- that's uh, sort of been a significant part of the food system in the past. So, so what technology allows this to happen now? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a great question. And, you know, I think for the good of everyone, including ourselves, we are certainly not the first people to grow food indoors. Uh, you know, in fact, NASA was doing this in the early 80s. Uh, government has been doing research and a number of different universities and their research labs have been growing food indoors under light. The, the fundamental problem, Tim, was that the lights that were being used to grow were very, very expensive. Mm. And the efficiency of the lights was really poor. And so while you could actually grow food, it was just way out of the money. It wasn't an economically viable proposition. So hence why, to your point, there really wasn't a substantial amount of purely indoor growing happening for quite some time. About seven or eight years ago, this trend completely flipped. And what you saw was the cost of LED lights dropped by over 85%, and the efficiency of those lights more than doubled. And that meant that for the first time, what was really only a research-driven endeavor could actually be done in a commercially viable way. And what's interesting is that trend that got us to where we are now is actually going to continue. And the industry will tell you, we expect to see another 50 to 85% decline in the cost of light fixtures and another doubling plus of efficiency in the next five or so years. So the tailwinds that helped us get to where we are today are only going to continue. So first and foremost, that's a really important sort of technical piece to what, what enables us to do what we're doing about it. What's critical, though, is that's not the only piece. And I think this is one of the things that's sometimes misunderstood with indoor farming is people tend to hold up the innovation around LED lighting and the lighting itself as the reason why indoor farming works today. 
And what we realized early on at Valerie was the trend in LED lighting was certainly critical and it made indoor farming viable. But if you want to make indoor farming scalable, and scalable means large volumes of produce at high consistent quality and prices that open up a large market, it's going to take more than innovation in just LED. And so at Bowery, we're also leveraging substantial innovation that's occurred across robotics and automation, innovation around not only computer vision, but machine learning, the decline in the cost of sensors in general, as well as just the decline in the cost of storing and processing data. And it's all of those trends combined with the trend in LED lighting that we put together to really rethink what is agriculture going to look like in urban environments in the next century and beyond. Very interesting. And is it to the point where the technology, I know the trend is going your direction, but are we at that point now where this stuff is, uh, this stuff, I mean, the technology is cheap enough that, that there's profit here? You know, I, I think at the surface level, yes. you know, selling produce with really high technology in very expensive real estate, it doesn't seem like there's enough margin there. But, but are we at that point where, where there is actually margin currently? We're not just banking, betting on the come sort of thing. Absolutely. And I think that was a really important component for us at Bowery when we got started was we had to believe that we could be competitive today with not only a high quality product, but a product that wasn't being sold at a substantial premium on the shelf of our retail partners. And so when you look at the Bowery produce today, we are already at or below the price of consistent field grown product. And we have a substantially better product as well. And, you know, part of the reason that this is all possible and you sort of pointed to it when you talked about the difference in cost is when you think about what we're building at Bowery, you, you can't just simply think about this as a comparison to other farms. You've got to think about what we're doing as a rethinking of the entire fresh food supply chain. Hmm. And we're able to basically locate our farms very, very close to the point of where consumption is happening. And so we are eliminating enormous parts of the fresh food supply chain right off the bat. It's about a day or two from when we harvest our crops to when they're ultimately delivered. And the areas where we do overlap with the existing supply chain, we're vastly more efficient. So it's an in, ineffective comparison to compare Bowery to a specific farm because in many ways, we're collapsing this entire supply chain into a single location right outside of the area that we're actually servicing. And that's what makes this possible in a, in a really economically profitable way. Irving, uh, break this down on a practical level for us. What, uh, what does Bowery physically look like today? Yeah, so you know, it's a good question. So I, yeah, I mentioned this earlier on, but we have these very large warehouse scale indoor farms. Uh, you know, we, have, we grow in a totally controlled and contained environment. Uh, our growth system inside, we're a hydroponic grower, so we've built a hydroponic system. We employ a substantial amount of automation in the system that we've developed as well. And, and the system itself is, is really a proprietary system based on a lot of learning and iteration from our team. But a really critical component of what we do at Bowery, and this ties to the question you asked earlier about technology, is we have developed and built a proprietary system that, that we call the Bowery Operating System. And the Bowery OS was built by us and is built for us. And it really acts as the brains of our farm. It is the central nervous system of everything we do at Bowery. So first of all, what we're doing is taking millions of data points in in real time through a network of 
sensors and controls that we've also developed and built on our own at Bowery. And the data that we're collecting is data that impacts how the crops are going, growing, their health, you know, look and feel and texture, taste and flavor even, and certainly yields. So that, that data gets ingested and processed by our system. And then secondly, we have a plant vision system, which is looking at our crops in real time. It's taking images, and those images are getting run through deep learning algorithms that we've developed. And we look out and we can first say, what is happening with this crop right now? Is it healthy? Is it not? How does it look? And then secondly, we can predict forward based on what we've seen in the past with other crops, what do we expect we're going to see in the future with this crop? And then all of that data, what we see today, what we expect to see tomorrow, and all the understanding of what's happening around our plants gets ingested through other machine learning algorithms that we've developed. And our system actually says, given all that we know, what tweaks and changes do we recommend to make for this crop? And those changes get pushed out and automatically made without any humans being involved. So it's a very fast and quick iterative cycle that's constantly driving improvement and optimization in all of our plants in our farm at all times. And what's interesting though is the operating system is not only focused on the agricultural science piece, it's actually controlling all of the automation and the systems in our farm itself and actually going down to the work management layer and helping our farmers understand what to do, when to do it, where to do it, and how to do it, which means that we don't have to hire a workforce which has decades of experience working in and around agriculture, and we can go into an urban environment and provide jobs for people who may never have farmed a crop in their entire life. Okay, that's that's really cool, especially that last part about bringing people into agriculture because they have it's sort of accessible now. Uh, I'm curious, obviously, historically, you know, farming has, has been a tough business, not historically a high margin business, but it sounds like your secret sauce is really in the technology and the operating system. So, so I'm curious which, which, you know, technology generally speaking is, is known to be a higher margin uh, business. Why is it important to you to be in the commercial farming business uh, rather than be more of a tech and systems company that, that empowers other people to do the farming? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Tim. You know, I, I think we really looked hard at what we wanted to build a Bowery before kind of diving in full throttle. And the more we looked and understood the industry and the opportunity, the more clear it became that being a full stack company, being completely vertically integrated, which means we're not only designing and developing the technology, but we're building our farms, we're operating our farms and growing our food, and we're delivering that food all the way to the end customer. It, it is for us the most economically viable and productive way to build this business. And one of the reasons is, is by building the technology, but then operating and running and living with that technology day in and day out, you essentially are your own customer. And so our software engineers and our computer vision and AI engineers and our mechanical engineers and electrical engineers, all the folks who are designing and developing the systems within our farms are able to walk in these farms and work with this technology and talk to the farmers who are using this every day and seeing the areas for improvement and optimization and iteration. And that drives a much faster and more productive iterative cycle overall, which means better crops and greater efficiency for Bowery. The second piece, Tim, is you know one of the real key important components of what we're building at Bowery is a brand itself. And a brand that consumers can look at and, and say, 
I trust this produce. I know where it's coming from. I know how it was grown. I know what it was grown with. I know that this was grown in a way that's not only better for me and my family when I'm buying this, but it's better for the world around me. And part of delivering on that promise for us is controlling our entire process from seed to store. And so being vertically integrated allows us to make sure that we can control the quality of that product from the very beginning to when it ends up on a store shelf or in a restaurant or, or with any of our food service partners. And, and who uh, who is the consumer of the produce generally? I know you just mentioned kind of store shelf, uh, restaurant partners. Uh, do you have is do you do you keep it within a certain radius around New York City? And uh, generally speaking, you know who is the target customer here? Yeah. So the two ways to answer that question, right, are the, are the business consumer and the, the and then the end consumer. So you know, we do believe really in the local food system and in supporting the local food system. So we focus on really the tri-state area through our farms right now. And our customers are anybody from large-scale retailers, uh, like a Whole Foods market, to you know some smaller specialty retailers in New York, to a set of restaurants. So Chef Tom Colicchio is actually an early investor in, in Bowery and an advisor, and was really so excited about not only the mission of the company, but really importantly, the quality of the food itself, that he asked if we could service his restaurant. So, you know, we sell into Tom's restaurant. And we've also recently partnered with Dig In and Sweet Green on the food service side. We've expanded our footprint with Whole Foods substantially, and we have a number of retail partnerships that are going to be going live in the coming months as well. So we really span across retail, food service, and the restaurant sector from a business partnership perspective. And from an end consumer standpoint, you know, I think what's, what's great about what we're doing, Tim, is when you look at the customer set today, you can really see that there's a desire for consumers to not only eat healthier, but eat higher quality product, eat local product, looking for pesticide-free produce. And you also see a, a consumer that's looking to make a choice that's healthy for their family, but healthy for the world around them. And so, you know, one of the things we kind of call this customer is the conscientious consumer. And I think one of the trends that we've seen is more and more shoppers today are becoming conscientious when they go out and purchase. They're looking to make healthier choices and healthier is defined more broadly than just healthy for you. It's healthy in a macro standpoint for the world, for the environment, for the way that we're growing our food. Very cool. Um, we, we've been just kind of generally talking about the produce that you that you produce, um, which you know to me, what first comes to mind is leafy greens. But are you growing more than that? And and what uh, what crops are you growing generally speaking? Yep, and you know I think we focus today at Bowery on a core set of SKUs and products that are on the retail shelf, which are primarily in the leafy greens and herbs category. Inside of our farms, we've grown a hundred some odd different varieties of crops and certainly span well beyond leafy greens. You know, right now what we're doing on the retail standpoint is really focusing on that category in that area because you, know, you, you talked about many people in your audience are entrepreneurs or inspiring entrepreneurs. And I think one of the things you realize building businesses is focus matters a lot. And being focused is a critical component to being successful. And so while we can grow much more than just leafy greens and herbs and service much more. I mean, this is an enormous market. We've decided to focus there and do that really well today, but there's no question you're going to see Bowery expand well beyond that over time. 
Very cool. Is is there anything that your customers are asking you for? Like, we really want, uh, you know, I, I don't know, watermelon. <laughs> and you're just like, I in our system, you can't, you just can't grow watermelons. Because I, I just know that's a criticism sometimes of indoor farming. Is like, well, you can grow, you know, kale, spinach, and you know, herbs, but but uh, how much more can you really grow? Yeah, and, and that's certain. That, that criticism is certainly expressed at times. I, I we certainly don't agree with that either. I think it's. Sometimes you see these these critiques leveled by people who haven't actually been operating and working within the sector. And you know, one of the advantages of the system at Bowery is we actually have an extraordinary amount of flexibility to grow a substantial number of varieties of crops well beyond leafy greens and herbs. You know, everything's not going to be economically viable for us, but but just because everything isn't viable doesn't mean that you can't grow a very very large set of crops. Our view is the market for for crops grown indoors is probably about $100 billion a year annually in the U.S. and about a trillion dollars a year annually globally. And so that's still a very, very large market that, that doesn't include everything, but we're quite happy with what that does include. And I think to your other question, there is nothing that cannot be grown hydroponically. I mean, we, we hear this a lot, people who've been to Epcot Center and seen you know, the Epcot hydroponic exhibits. Right. You can see pineapple trees and all kinds of interesting stuff growing. Now, do I think we're going to be your world supplier of pineapples? I, I would not count on that. That's probably not the next place we go. But you can certainly grow a lot. And to, to the other question that you asked about what consumers are asking for, I think as an entrepreneur, that's one of the most exciting things about what we're building at Bowery is just the fervor and enthusiasm from consumers around the way in which we're growing produce. This idea of being able to produce a year-round local product that's grown with no pesticides, grown more responsibly, that's harvested and delivered in a day or two of time, it's hard for consumers to say that there's a, a portion of their produce they're eating that that isn't a good solution for. I think if we could supply everything consumers are looking for, they would be thrilled. Uh, you mentioned the the no pesticides thing a couple times. Uh, how do you manage pests and diseases? Obviously, every farmer would like to grow with no pesticides, both from a business standpoint and just from a you know general input standpoint. Um, but how how do you manage pests and diseases without without those pesticides? Yeah, I mean we you know so, so on a more broad basis, food safety in general is a critically important uh, component to what we do at Bowery, and we've taken food safety very very seriously. Uh, from the very beginning of when we got started and you know part of the reason is is we, you know we put our name and our brand on our product and we really need to stand behind what we're growing and how we're growing it and and the fact that it is safe for the end consumer and so part of a stringent food safety program on our end is really ensuring the controlled environment that we're growing in is safe and that we know what is going in there and what, what is and isn't, isn't, isn't affecting our crops and our produce. And so we have the ability to be much, much more contained and controlled than any sort of traditional farm outside because when you're growing out in a large field, you can't, you know, you're sort of subject to the elements. And that is fundamentally what farming is. And that being subjected to the elements means being subjected to pests and any kind of bugs or parasites, you know, animals that go to the bathroom and just dirt and general, you know, issues that are out there, even, you know, chemicals and you know, the atmosphere itself. And those are just aspects of variability that we don't experience at Bowery. And therefore, we don't need to worry about and use inputs to battle in the same way that traditional agriculture does. Hmm. Well, oh. 
we've talked a little bit about your supply chain strategy and I know uh, obviously the, the big point there is that it's completely vertical and vertically integrated. Is there anything you yep. about the way you are supplying this? Because uh, it, it obviously is a big project to take on to say, we're not only going to, to grow it, but we're actually going to uh, do all the distribution ourselves as well. Anything else unique to Bowery about the supply, the supply chain aspect? Well, I think what's unique to Bowery compared to traditional farming and the traditional food supply chain is that we've condensed it substantially. And so, you know, when you look at the traditional fresh food supply chain, what you see is an enormous number of players, sometimes aggregated under a single roof and sometimes many different, you know, individual contractors who are performing certain functions within a supply chain to basically take food from when it's being grown out in the field to when it's finally delivered at its you know, last stop at a retail or a restaurant or a food service provider. And the challenge with that supply chain is, you know, if you just look at the leafy greens and herbs category, most of the, the, the fresh food that we're eating on the leafy greens and herbs side is two to three weeks plus old by the time it gets to us. Fresh produce in general is oftentimes months and months of uh, time old by the time it reaches where we're going. And the reason that is is because the supply chain is built around moving food long distances so that you're constantly chasing the ideal growing season and ideal growing condition. And the challenge with that supply chain is because of all those different steps and all that different amount of time, there's a lot of cost in that supply chain. There's a real lack of transparency. So it's incredibly difficult to understand where was the product that I'm consuming grown? How was it grown? What was put on it? Those are just questions that the fresh supply chain can't answer today. And on top of it, there's a lot of nutrition loss. So up to 45 or 50% of fresh food's nutrition is oftentimes lost from when it's harvested to when it's actually ultimately delivered and arrives in its final destination. Then you look at Bowery, and because we're locating our farms so close to where the consumption is happening, it's about a day or so from when we harvest our product to when it's actually delivered. So not only is it a much fresher product, but it's a much more nutritious product. We skip an enormous number of steps that the existing supply chain has to undertake, and that means that we can extend shelf life, increase freshness, increase quality, grow a better tasting product, and we can do it a lot more responsibly. So it's a substantial departure from the way the supply chain functions today. Very cool. When you're talking to investors like uh, Tom Cleakey, I know you mentioned was an early investor. And by the way, my wife is going to be very disappointed that we didn't try to get him on the show as well because uh, she's a huge fan. <laughs> but uh, when you're talking to them about Bowery and sort of, you know, p pitching this idea, um, what, what gets them most excited? You know, obviously there's a lot to this. You're, you're, taking, on, you're taking on a huge project, which is, you know, kind of reinventing uh, the supply chain and, and basically bringing it all in-house. Um, what gets them excited about the prospects for, for, for Bowery as an investment? Yep. And, you know, listen, there is no question that this is an ambitious endeavor. And I, you know, I have always been a believer from the earliest days that, that technology and the innovation economy can be used to solve important problems. And there is no question, and you and I were talking before the episode started about how many critical problems tie into the broad agricultural system. So this is a great use of time and energy from a technology and innovation standpoint. And I think you know, what gets investors excited about what we're building at Bowery 
first of all, is just what I said. You know, I think the, the ability to leverage technology and innovation to work on not only a critically important set of problems, but an extraordinarily large market. And, you know, certainly over time, our investors have gotten very excited about the execution and the progress that we've made. So our early investors, Pershawn Capital, was you know, some of the early, the first investor into Uber and Warby Parker and some of the more disruptive and innovative technologies. And they were very excited early on about our vision and our progress around really democratizing access to fresh food and building a new agricultural system. And since then, we brought on folks like uh, General Catalyst and GGV Capital and Google Ventures put in a small investment in our last round. And what all of those folks have ultimately seen is not only is this an important problem that we are solving, but at Bowery, we are solving the problem in a very profitable way. So the opportunity to create real good in the world is tied directly to the opportunity to build a very, very large company. And so this isn't just an altruistic endeavor. This isn't a nonprofit or a, a mission that we are on for just the good of, of solving an issue without the ability to be profitable. This is the ability to generate an enormous amount of profit and build a very large company that's correlated directly with doing an enormous amount of good. And my point of view is the best way to generate positive impact is tying that positive impact to an economically viable business model. Because if you can do that, the more profitable the business is and the more productive the business is, the more positive impact that can be generated. And that's really what we're doing at Bowery. And so it's not only an investment that people can feel good about, it's an investment that has an extraordinarily positive return profile as well. Wow. That, uh, that's a, a very clear and passionate pitch. I love it. Um, that's great. Uh, I, I'm curious, on the automation side of things, uh, obviously that's a big part of, of what kind of the, building into the profitability in the business models. You can do this now with, with all of the uh, technology and, and some automation. I, I am in kind of more of the human resources side of the industry. And so I'm always curious about that. What roles do you see always being important for a human to be a part of, um, even in a world that is becoming increasingly more automated? Yeah, you know, there, there is always a place and there always will be a place for modern farmers at Bowery. And, you know, e even when you're automating tasks, it's still valuable and important to have people who are in the farm and watching what's happening and the quality of product, and just making sure things are running as they should. And, really what you see, and you see this in many, many industries, is people working alongside automation in really productive ways and freeing people up from sometimes monotonous, repetitive tasks to focus on more sophisticated and thoughtful tasks. And I think that's always an area that's going to be important for us at Bowery. And I think you're seeing that more broadly in the economy in general. Now, a big part of um, building the Bowery brand is is making sure consumers understand the story about, you know, what's different about Bowery's produce from, from maybe the produce that's sitting right next to on the shelf. Um, that's a topic that comes up just a lot in agriculture in general, which is how do we, how do we make sure that we're communicating clearly about um, 
about food, about where food comes from. Have you had any sort of um, revelations about how to make sure that your message really resonates with the end consumer? You know, I, I wouldn't say that we've had revelations. I think we're, our belief is that we're just honest and straightforward and direct with consumers about what we're doing at Bowery, why we're doing it, why we believe this is important, why we believe this is in a productive and viable way to grow and build the agricultural system over time and the way we're growing our crops and the impact that has on the crops themselves that you know people are giving to themselves and their families as well as the impact on the environment around them and I think fortunately, these are questions that people care about the answers to right now. These are issues that people are really interested in and that are important to them. And back to what we talked about earlier, by being able to deliver Valerie product at or below the cost of a cool field grown product, we're not asking people to make a choice on price. We're not asking people to spend substantially more money in return for a better product. Uh, they can make a choice that's good for their family and good for the environment and spend what they spend on those products normally. Great. Oh, I want to commend you for that because I think that that's great. And also, um, and I guess I don't know this, but just in a little research I did ahead of this interview, it really seems like Bowery's message is one of, of positivity and shining a spotlight on the great things you're doing instead of, you know, maybe some others might take a more fear-based approach of saying, oh, if you don't eat this, you know, you're poisoning your children sort of thing. Uh, so I, I do want to commend you for that because I think uh, you are sort of revolutionizing a little bit uh, the way that the supply chain works and how people, how produce arrives in people's uh, refrigerators and on their plate at restaurants. Uh, but you seem to be doing so in, in a very, not, not only transparent, but, but positive light about, Hey, here's some good things we can do. So I think that's really cool. I, I appreciate that, Tim. And I think in, in today's environment, people appreciating could use positivity as well. And so we're, we're happy to be able to provide our portion of that. Great. I want to do just one little miniature segment that I tried with a founder on a previous episode and worked out really well. As you uh, alluded to, a lot of the listeners are very entrepreneurial or, or at least very ambitious in, in kind of solving problems. And so we did this little miniature segment called Manager Minute, just where I ask a guest like yourself that's, you know, building something. And obviously productivity and management are a big part of accomplishing your mission. If you could just share a piece of advice related to either building teams or just personal productivity, uh, just something to help other people who want to expand their own uh, effectiveness and influence in, in their mission. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think as an entrepreneur building teams, and, and I will tell you, I am far from the first person to ever say this. It is not unique advice, but your, your job as a founder and as a leader when you're building a team is to do two things. The first is to look at your business and understand early on what is most important to your business's success. And, and that changes. The, the most important and critical path to a venture success early days may not be the most important and key components in those next stages of time. But understanding what is going to matter initially and in each stage along the way is the first step. And then the second step is to, to take that set of priorities and not set against where you as a leader are strong and where you as a leader may not be as strong and not be experienced. And then going out and finding people and individuals who have strength and competency and experience in the areas where you may not. So you can ensure that you are building a group of people who broadly and collectively 
cover those critically important bases versus trying to do everything on your own. And sometimes you see founders making that mistake of saying, oh, well, I'm here early. I got to do everything and be everything. And sure, there's a moment in time where maybe you have to do more than, than would be normal and sustainable over time. But as you grow, diversifying and really allowing others to come in and support and supplement your efforts is critical to being successful over time. Fantastic. Well, Irving Fain, CEO and founder of Bowery Farming, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Tim. Really enjoyed it. Big thank you to Irving Fain, CEO and co-founder of Bowery Farming for being on the show. I hope you enjoyed that. Whether you live in a really urban area that can benefit from this type of system or not, I think there were some really interesting insights in there about how our urban centers are, are looking at agriculture and potentially the future of agriculture. Uh, certainly a lot to uh, take on with all of the technology involved, as well as completely supplying the entire uh, supply chain uh, to, to the consumer. Uh, but I think it's interesting and Certainly a noble venture on, on the part of Bowery Farming, and, and I enjoyed having them share their story on the show. Well, Apple Podcast continues to frustrate me. I, I'm trying to keep track of these reviews. Thank you so much to those of you who are taking the time to rate and review the show on, on Apple, iTunes, or wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Um, I'm having trouble tracking which ones are most recent, and so I don't think we've read this one yet, but I do want to give a shout out to this person for leaving us a review. Uh, this is from, uh, it's W-A-C-N-T-N, Walk. Washington. I'm not, well, maybe they're from Washington. I don't know what that is, but a great information source on ag is the title. Tim does a great job with a great mix of various activities going on in agriculture. I've recently returned to agriculture as a career after nearly 30 year detour into IT. Very cool. Uh, this podcast has helped me learn about the innovation and efforts going on worldwide to meet the needs of the planet. Keep up the great podcast. Uh, thank you very much. I'm not going to try to pronounce your name, but maybe you're in Washington. Th thank you so much for leaving a rating review if you're listening and you haven't yet um i hope for for starters you're subscribed assuming you're subscribed i would love it for you to leave us a rating review on itunes wherever you listen to podcasts hey thanks so much we're into the holiday season now i hope everybody's having a great time and, and spending time with their loved ones and we will be back next week with another episode of the future of agriculture podcast Hey, thanks again for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast. If you like what you heard here today, I'd love to connect with you further. Go over to futureofag.com. That's futureofag.com. And let me know a good email address for you so we can keep in touch. Also, you'll be able to check out a ton of bonus content on the blog while you're there. Otherwise, make sure you're subscribed to the show so you can catch another fascinating ag innovator here next week.